Thanks for joining us today. This episode is very special because I am not the interviewer. I am the interviewee. I'm the guest on this podcast. And your host today is Tobin Addington. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, you may know Tobin. Well, hopefully you do know Tobin from our other <laughs> podcast, The Contenders. Both The Contenders and Why Aren't We All are on the Cage Club Podcast Network, and we couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're not lying. We're not lying. Tobin, do you have a favorite Cage Club podcast outside of the one that we do? Or is that like picking a favorite sibling? It's really hard because I have been on so many of them and I enjoy so many of the others. I guess right now I would say that The Cinemakers has a real special place in my heart. That's where they, where Joey and Mike and another uh, guest host go through all the movies in a director's career. And I got to do Soderbergh with them and that was really fun. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of, that lines up a lot with my, with my, with what I like. What about you? Do you have a favorite? It, I mean, it is it is hard because it's it's it is our colleagues, uh, mm-hmm. and clearly we are both interested in entertainment and dissecting entertainment and whimsy, and I feel like that really is what the network's about. Mm-hmm. I love the the movie. Most of the movies that High School Slumber Party does mm-hmm. are movies that I love because that's kind of my my wheelhouse. Yeah. But I also, I just, as much as I think it is silly, and I've said it to their, not their faces, but their microphones, um, I, I kind of love Too Fast, Too Forever. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> just, because, just because the earnestness with which they they share their their love for this mm-hmm. franchise, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the way that they are fans. Which is why we're here to talk about why everyone should be Fast and Furious fr- uh, fans oh like Eisler is. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Just kidding. That's not what we're here to talk about. No, no. So, Aislinn, here I am on your show interviewing you, and I'm wondering if you could tell us about uh, what practice you practice Mm -hmm. that you feel like uh, (laughs) maybe the rest of the world should should partake in. I'm happy to. So, I am a huge fan of the Bravo catalog of shows. The Bravo Network, Andy Cohen, the whole thing. I love me some Bravo and it, I some schedule my week. Uh, it's, it's something that I schedule in my week. I don't have uh, cable television currently, but I have uh, an on-demand version. And so I, I stream it as I can. And, and I really do think about like, okay, well I can watch this that night, or I'm going to save this till the weekend. Mm. Um, it is Sunday morning. And I generally try to save my favorite of the shows for Sunday so that it's something to look forward to. And then also with the timing of it, there's a podcast that I love, arguably my favorite podcast that rehashes a lot of the Bravo drama. And so I, I try to schedule my, my watching to be able to listen to that on dog walks. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really kind of how I structure my time sometimes is, based around bravo <laughs> wow so this begs the question how you first came to be interested in bravo do you remember when you first started watching it or maybe I when do. you first sort of transitioned into like d- deep watching <laughs> do when i was a senior in college in the early to mid aughts uh was when they were really getting going so the um i had many roommates because i was in college but i had one roommate who was who had gotten into desperate housewives 
mm. which is scripted on ABC, was very, very, was like the thing to watch for a while. Would you agree? Yeah, it's huge. It was it got huge. huge. Yeah. And so the Real Housewives, in my recollection, kind of spun, not spun off from that, but, but, was sparked from that the fire of Desperate Housewives, and so it was a real, a non-scripted, a reality program that followed the the original site was um, Orange County, and and followed the lives of a few families within this gated community in Orange mm-hmm. County, and then it has spread from there. This is also the era that we have on MTV Laguna Beach. Oh sure. That then spun off into the Hills. That was also Orange County. So I felt like the Housewives was kind of taking. The, that one, because the Laguna Beach was high school focused, but it was reality in Orange County. And then we had this Desperate Housewives where what I feel like what television learned from that is that people do want to watch um, women over 25 <laughs> in their lives because mm-hmm. these were, for the most part, uh, mothers and, and in some cases, grandmothers and kind of an older demographic than um, I think had previously been been featured at least in that time slot or, or what have you. So the real housewives to me was a combo of those kind of ideas. Um, it's also it was an era that had a lot of wish fulfillment on TV. I mm-hmm. am thinking about like the maid on MTV and lifestyles, cribs, all those kind of things where you got to kind of see behind the curtain of what really rich people were doing. And so there was right. that element to it as well. And also, I mean, I should say, so that's housewife focused, but Project Runway started on Bravo. Mm-hmm. Top Chef is on Bravo. There, um, there's a lot of real estate stuff that I don't really get into, but but there's a, a lot of different. I think they would say lifestyle shows on the network. But I feel I'm still a little self conscious. Not gonna lie. So I feel like if I say Bravo, it lends a little more kind of respect than if I just say Housewives. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it, it's funny because as you mentioned, the, um, you don't want to say game shows, but like, or the like reality, the competition, like their creative yes. competition shows. Yes. It's, it's a, a, of the sort of, of reality TV. That is my preferred thing to watch right. is something where people are actually good at a thing and then right. can show us how they can do a thing. Uh, so I, I would I argue it. that the, the women on the housewives are definitely good at a thing. <laughs> I'm sure I, I, I simply have no sort of frame of reference <laughs> for that, which I think we'll get to in a minute, but my next Next question is, can you identify what you get in your life from Bravo? I can. I absolutely can. And the way I describe it to other people is listening to middle-aged entitled women yelling at each other calms <laughs> me down. I find wow. it a stress relief. And I, I, I know that for some people, it's the opposite. I know, for example, for our mother, uh-huh. it's the opposite. She doesn't want to walk into a room and hear people screaming. But when those people are housewives and they're screaming about something that is so stupid... It, there's something about it that just, I think it forces kind of perspective from me. Sometimes mm. I yell back. <laughs> and it's also just so different than the things that I want to yell about in my life that I think there is a, it just kind of releases the the steam, the tension of my day to hear them go around and around on something that from my perspective is very trivial. <laughs> but is so meaningful to them in that moment. The other piece, and this transcends the any particular franchise, mm-hmm. there is an accountability that is woven into this type of non-scripted or unscripted docu-series, mm-hmm. and that is the reunion. So I love reunion shows. I will watch reunion shows for shows I haven't watched. 
<laughs> so, wow. And that's actually how I kind of got back into Housewives. I was out for years and years because I was, you know, trying to pretend I was I was smarter than, it, than I am. <laughs> or, you know, that's that's smarter than. Say. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to pretend that my palate had had changed and it hadn't. But I would I would go back for reunion show because of the accountability, because you can sit there and on go on different talk shows or say to one person in the group, I never said that. I never said that. But they have it on film. So you're at the reunion right, and then they right. roll that tape. And I think that's something I crave in my life. Mm. I think I feel like people get away with being assholes a lot. And if there were camera crews around and you could sh- you could show them or someone could say, no, I'm not difficult to work with. And then you could just go clip after clip after clip. I would love that. Like it, if I could have a magic power, that would be it. <laughs> so there's something that's just so satisfying about showing someone what they did or what they said and then saying, OK, now that we all know that was said. Mm-hmm. Can you justify that? Can you explain yourself? So I'll watch. I mean, gosh, if I see that there's a reunion show on, like if I'm a hotel room and I have channels I don't normally have, like I'll watch a a real world Road Rules the Challenge Uh reunion, even if I've not watched any of the show, just because I I crave that thing. How has that changed over time? Like, do you feel Mm. uh, that that's more important to you now than early on in your watching? Or has that sort of been there all, all from the beginning? That's been there from the beginning. I think it was more important at at other times when I went to a smallish college and then in graduate school we sort of have small cohorts and so mm-hmm. in a number of at, at a number of times I had the feeling of oh gosh the world is so much smaller than I thought <laughs> because mm-hmm. people knew each other and this or that and I have been at times a, a bit of a hub Mm-hmm. So I will perhaps know more sides of a story or more details of something sure. um, that I'm not at liberty to share, but I kind of know what's going on. So when things are finally unveiled, it's a relief to me because I've known the various pieces of it right. for a long time. I was I was there, but I wasn't talking, but I knew. <laughs> so so I think there's a there's that in my experience that like, gosh, if there was a way that I could demonstrate what was going on without being the one to say it Mm -hmm. i would like that and now it is just more for fun because days are stressful and busy and it's just how i unwind yeah you have a (laughs) you have a particularly stressful job and i I, that that makes sense do you so let me ask you one more question before we get to the if the whole world did this but is you do you consider this a guilty pleasure that's a great question i think if when someone asks me what my guilty pleasure is i this is what i would tend to share I think it's there's also an aspect that's unexpected because my my work is involved in a lot of gender justice kind of topics that this could seem anti-feminist if you wanted to put a label on it or mm-hmm. regressive to use words from our other podcast. Um, I have arguments for that. I'm happy to share those. But so so if asked if it's a guilty pleasure, I'll this is what I will offer. But I I don't really like that turn of phrase. Because I don't feel guilty about it. It's if I'm not telling people that this is what I love, it's because it's not their business. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily because I'm embarrassed. It's just because it's not their business what I do after five. I've given them my whole day. Why would <laughs> why would I tell them what I do later? <laughs> so yeah, I, I I think of it more, and I think this is something I may have stolen from you in talking about music. But it's it's to me entertainment, leisure activities, whatever are can be like like food where there are things that 
really nourish you and things that mm. really keep you going and give you energy and sustain you. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, God, I just need a donut. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with a variety of of status in what you consume. I think I can I can watch a really important documentary and then watch some Housewives or some RuPaul's Drag Race or some Teen Mom. Like it could go on and on. And I, I think it's okay to have a variety. And I think we've mm-hmm. seen more and more. Um, uh, an example that I that I love is on the podcast that rehashes the housewives. It's called Bitch Sesh, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it live. And I dragged a friend who had never, who was not a housewives fan to this live podcast. <laughs> so thank you, Penny, for joining me. They have had, you know, feminist scholar Roxanne Gay on more oh, than wow. once. Cool, cool. Roxanne Gay is a yeah. huge Housewives fan. And so that that is was helpful to me of this person thinks about serious things. This person teaches about serious things. They're an activist. They, you know, have kind of a lot of things that I also admire. And we share this in common. Yeah. And so I think that speaks to how there are feminist arguments for this work. Where else on television do you see that many leading ladies in their 50s mm-hmm. and they're not all in their 50s but that's kind of the you know one could say the best of them are late 40s through 50s they're wildly unlikable in a lot of ways <laughs> mm-hmm. but within that they are i mean allowed i'm putting in quotes they are allowed to have a range of emotions that are not written for women and are not written for women that age mm-hmm. they're bosses they have more side hustles than any anybody I've seen, some more successful than others, but if you want to look at the um, skinny girl booze empire, that's that's comes out of a a Real Housewife, um, Bethany Frankel, who's oh gosh, God, this podcast only half an hour, we could just Frankel it all day long, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of of businesses and um, ventures that that they're a part of or that they are leading, and I think that's there's something there that's you don't see every day and you certainly Mm -hmm. don't see in most scripted series. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, yeah, I think, I think there, there's, there are things to admire here, even through the filth. (laughs) Well, something that I've noticed as I've gotten older is um, I feel more free to own my own taste. Yes. And then also the interesting thing about Bravo too, is that while I suppose, you know, there is a cohort of people who turn their nose up at a whole network, right? Without mm-hmm. probably considering what all is, is actually on it. The cultural impact of Bravo is not to be denied, both Absolutely. on, you know, on, on all kinds of communities. And, and so, you know, I, it's, I, I'm, I'm not, I guess, surprised that there are well-known, thoughtful, mm-hmm. famous people who are, you know, who are as interested in it as you are. So I guess another question I have is, is your, so, so you've talked a lot about Housewives and you've mentioned mm-hmm. some other shows and the reality stuff. How much of the actual Bravo Network lineup do you watch? I would say probably half. The real estate stuff does not interest me. I, I apologize to anyone for whom it does or if any of those <laughs> Bravo celebrities, as we call them, are listening. Is that a real phrase or is that something yeah. you've made up? No, no. That's I mean, that's it. Andy Cohen uses it, Bravo celebrities, because often on his show. And so the other part of it is I'm a huge Andy Cohen fan. Okay, I've, right, I've right. read his books. I, I watch his show when I had my free serious radio for a while. It was always on Radio Andy. I there's so much about about him and what he does that I that I like. Also, in that started off in I you know more serious again in quotes journalism and created 
cultivated his dream career. Mm. And I, 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 I love that. I, I think that's beautiful. And I, yeah. I would want that for everyone. So there's, again, the aspirational piece for me is, is with Andy Cohen that he's, he created, he created an empire around him so that he could host a late night show. <laughs> like that's, and so it was um, through the reunions. He was the host of the reunions is how I became familiar with him, mm. but he has a mm. show, watch what happens live. And, and there you have this strange combination of often a Bravo celebrity and then an otherwise celebrity at the same time. So mm. um, John Oliver, it turns out is a huge New York housewives fan. So he, when he's booked on the show, he requests a housewife to be wow. his, his co co guest. So you have that, those where it's, it's a kind of, one could see as, as a mismatch, but actually there's kind of a mutual admiration uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. And then you have another show where it's Deepak Chopra and Amy Sedaris. Oh, wow. Like the, the kind of range of people that, that they have on and their level of kind of Bravo acuity is is wide you know then you have um jennifer lawrence on who knows it better than i do and and speaks into the camera at the housewives i mean it's just it's i don't know what kind of you call it it's it's so looking through a mirror through a fishbowl through a thing like (laughs) yeah yeah because now that it's been on so long there um and who just described this well i was listening to bitch sesh and jessica chaffin who's a, a writer and actor sure um who I love from Rana and De- or Rana and Bev and so many things love her, but um she's she's so good at analyzing this and she's talking about how their show is now playing on two levels. There's the drama that they sort of play for the show, but then there's their real lives behind it, and so mm. the fights we see are not the fights that they're having in her interpretation <laughs> uh-huh, because uh-huh. now they all do know that they're famous, and so that's interesting to go back and watch as I have early seasons before it became what it is now when it was just following these these women around and kind of you can see how their um, impressions of themselves have changed over the years and Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just it's just fun and and i'm like it just makes me happy (laughs) (laughs) okay so then we that now the question is what if everyone like should everyone and if so how and what would the world look like if everybody was a massive bravo fan and i think where i take this is it's really i'm not saying everyone should watch bravo necessarily i'm saying everyone should chase their bliss i'm saying when you identify something that makes your day better or easier or makes you smile even despite yourself then i think that's that's the gift we should give ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So whether it is Bravo for you or for you, it is watching professional wrestling or that was my good example. What are others? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, our, our father who watches all the PBS news shows. Right. Like there is something he looks forward to that, whether he kind of says it out loud or we just see it in his patterns of movement. Mm-hmm. That, that that's something that, we know it's Friday night because that's what he's doing. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important that we be good to ourselves. There's a, I don't know who said it, so I can't attribute it appropriately, but a fairly kind of revolutionary idea, I think, is what if we treated ourselves the way we treat the person we love the most? Hmm. Because most of the time we don't. And I see it in my office every day when people come in and say, well, I should do this or I should do that. And this wasn't okay or that wasn't okay. And I say, well, what would you say 
to your best friend if they were in your situation. Mm -hmm. And they always say, well, I would tell them it's okay. And I would tell them I loved them. And I would tell all these, like, we are, we have the capacity to be so kind, but we don't shine that light back on ourselves. So while it is very silly how much Bravo I watch and how much I enjoy it, I think whatever that, whatever that puzzle piece is for you, that's what I encourage you to to do to make your world a little better. So I think if everyone was able to let off the amount of steam I let off by watching Bravo, I think how we interact with each with each other would change. Uh-huh. I think people would be kinder to each other and and kinder to themselves, which then I think the ripple effects of that are are better relationships overall. That's beautiful. It's funny <laughs> going from you know taking um inverting these perhaps performative somewhat dysfunctional relationships mm-hmm. to make actual relationships better is kind of fascinating. I, I want to push you though to say, but really, what if mm-hmm. everybody was like, what would, watch you, Bravo? what would yeah. it do to Bravo and what would oh, it do God. to people if, if their you know, a subscri- so like a viewership went from, you know, eight, 89 million households sure. around the world to like, you know, 3 billion or whatever. That's a great question. Cause I haven't thought it all the way through. I imagine some Truman show like, end game where i mean we already have that in a sense with big brother and Uh and that's a franchise i have not gotten into but i i know people who do and that watch it when it airs but then you can go online and watch just kind of the live cam Mm -hmm. version of it um we also have i mean live cam entrepreneurship if you will sure is a thing, right? Watching people do, whether it's what they want to do or what you're paying them to do is is kind of already a thing. So I I wonder if everyone was watching it and it was more of a Truman show or Hunger Games, depending <laughs> on, on what you think might happen. I think it would change. And I, I, I do see it more in the, in the Hunger Games style model that if everyone was watching and tweeting while they watch, I think we could affect what people did. Mm, in a real time way um because already there you know i'm looking forward to watching an episode in a few minutes curled up in my saturday bed which is also something i think everyone should have is a bed just for saturdays um (laughs) how how much privilege is in that statement but in one franchise we're at the reunion stage which is great and they're going through social media posts that the housewives have had kind of with and against each other that reference the show. So there are kind of two timelines. There's a timeline of when they shot the show, which is, what is it now? It is April. And with Vanderpump Rules, for example, they always film in the summer. Mm. So starting in February, the things that happened in June started airing. So the drama gets stirred up again Mm. because now people are watching it. You know, I haven't seen what you had said about me in your testimonials in quotes, you know, like a, like a talking head from the office style thing. Also, we don't know what questions they're being asked. So when someone has a real hot take statement, you don't know what the question was. You just hear the statement of, Mm. well, that person's ridiculous. Or there's one that on, on Vanderpump, they've been Ad, using in advertisements a lot where someone says, yeah, someone got engaged and, and, and then it goes to a talking head of someone else who says, yeah, I think that person will make a great first husband. <laughs> right? Super shady. We don't know what the yeah, question yeah. was. Right, right. So whatever happened, happened. Then it airs. And so they're all talking about it on social media again. Then they get together and have a reunion, which occurs six months after the thing, the things that all happened. So wow. it's just kind of this the snowball just keeps picking up garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I think p- 
people could learn from some things because like I said there's that accountability piece part of the show is confronting people and Mm. I'm not saying they do it in the best ways all the time but I think if people were able to be honest um, and talk through things I think that would help us as a people Mm -hmm. so I think uh, again I'm not saying that's the textbook for how to do it but I think learning that if something happens and your feelings are hurt, address it. Or if you have done if you have done something and hurt someone else, stand up and address it. I think there's some lessons in there we could learn from from uh, Bravo Liberties. So if someone w- wanted to start, oh, God, and you didn't yeah, know anything please. about them, but like, what's like the JV? Like, where do you? What's the entry? Uh, yeah, what's some great, good entry Bravo great. shows? Mm-hmm. I mean, Real Housewives of Orange County. Real Housewives of, of OC is the original. And Bravo, the Bravo app doesn't have kind of everything there, but Hulu has a lot of old seasons of things. So I would check out a, a first season there. I, If it were me, I would start with a reunion because each segment of a reunion has a video package that shows clips of what they're going to talk about. Mm. So that's a great way to kind of see a little bit of what has gone on. And see if that strikes your fancy. I will warn you because we're now in the, you know, eighth, ninth, eleventh season of things. When you watch it on Hulu, it looks like old television. <laughs> right? It has that weird, like the lighting and stuff is just is harsh and different. And production value has changed wildly sure. too. Kind of like when you look at the first season of of American Idol. I'm like, whoa, that's what that's what they were working with. So I think, yeah, OC Housewives of Grip is starting my favorite franchise. Uh, or my favorite uh, chapter of the franchise is uh, New York always has been always will be. Mm. So that's, that's my personal favorite. And, and a, a big part of that is Bethany Frankel. Again, that's a whole other episode. I could talk about her all day um, <laughs> and it's complex. Right. Um, and then if you are just interested, if you want to dip a toe, I would encourage you to check out bitch sesh, the podcast that's hosted by Casey Wilson and Danielle Schneider who are actors and comedians, they love it. They love it. They come out with, with real hot takes and then will change on a dime and change their opinion about a housewife in the same episode. Like they make, oh, wow. they make no um, kind of illusions that their, their loyalty is stable. They also have a no tagging rule mm. because they don't want to interact with them. That's different. We don't, it's kind of like I had ex- an experience once rent was very important to me in the nineties. The, the, musical it still is but it was like very important to me in the 90s and after the first live show that i saw um my friend and i waited backstage to not backstage waited you know outside to see them come out and i talked to the actor who played my favorite character Mm. and i forget what happened exactly but i asked her a question she said well yeah you know this has been really fun and then you know it's time to look for a new job and blah blah and she just was like talking about her life (laughs) <laughs> which was not the question I asked her. And I was like, another job? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then I learned if it's something is that close to my heart, I don't want to talk to the people who are yeah, interesting, who are bringing it to me. And so that's how the bitch sesh folks feel. Also, because they say some pretty harsh things. They don't want people tagged in the social media. <laughs> but that's also become like its own thing. People call into Andy Cohen's show and reference the podcast. Andy mm-hmm. Cohen has been on the podcast. Like it really is this kind of subculture that I am not a part of, but I so enjoy witnessing. And mm-hmm. I, 
yeah, the bitch sesh has gotten me through some tough days where, where I didn't feel well and knowing that I had that or that I could go and listen to an old one again and just analyze this ridiculous world so that I didn't have to analyze my own is a gift. So I say, chase that bliss. Um, as long as it's not hurting other people and I don't think this is, it could, it could be hurting culture more broadly, <laughs> but in terms of individuals, you know, um, it's given people careers. It's given people second careers. Yeah. I think some marriages have ended where being on a reality TV program is a component of it, but sure. I wouldn't blame it the whole thing. So I say, find that thing that helps you get through the day and, and embrace it. And also that you can be smart and frivolous at the same time, mm-hmm. which I think that's, that's what my PhD is in. <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. And to which I say, <laughs> bravo. <laughs> Are you going to go watch an episode? Well, you. Um, I think I'll wait to watch with you. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. I'll find the perfect, <laughs> the perfect episode. Thank you so much, Tobin, for allowing me to share my ridiculousness. Thank you for giving me a chance in the host chair. I really love the show and I cannot wait to hear more episodes of it. Excellent. So if you're interested in more, please find your way to cageclub.me where you'll find all the Cage Club offerings. Um, There are host pages where you can get to know 100 words or less about Tobin, myself, or any of the other hosts. Um, And then you can really see what what all we have. Tobin and I do a podcast called The Contenders. We hope you listen to us there. And we're about halfway through my season of Why Aren't We All? So if you have ideas or want to um, participate in a conversation, please let me know. I'm at SassyNerdMT, and the show is at W-A-W-A underscore pod. Tobin, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington or through the contenders at contenders underscore pod on Twitter. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.